Good morning. It is great to be here today. As Jessica said, this feels like homecoming to me. As I look around the chapel, this place looks familiar. There's some different parts to it from the last time I was here. It looks wonderful with the renovations. It also feels and looks familiar. I see some faces who taught me when I was in the doctorate program here at Asbury Theological Seminary. I also see some faces of people who participated in the life of the St. Luke United Methodist Church when I served as pastor there. I even have a fellow pastor from St. Luke, Reverend Dr. Mike Boyd's here today. I have relatives here. Uh, my husband, Lee, and uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Dr. Kevin Kinghorn. So it is great to be here today. And I must say to you, before I begin my message, what a joy it has been to get acquainted with the dean of the chapel, with Jessica Legrand. Jessica and I did have many conversations over the course of our time on the commission on our way forward. And she served the commission well. She certainly brings many gifts and graces to Methodism, and she did to that commission. So, uh, Jessica, it's great to be with you uh, today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this time, for the opportunity uh, to be together for this place, for the difference that the professors and the staff make, not only in the walls of this seminary, but also in the lives of those they teach in, in the churches that they reach through those they teach. Thank you for the students who have answered your call to experience a seminary education and who are currently serving you and will serve you throughout their ministries. And now I pray that you pour your spirit out upon each one of us here and that we will gain new insight as we continue in worship together. These things we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'm a music lover. In fact, I did major in physical education in college, but I came very close to majoring in music. I'm not persnickety either about the kind of music that I listen to. I like folk rock. I like Christian. I like hymns. I like gospel. I like bluegrass, country, jazz, all kinds of music. My husband, Lee, and our son, Andrew, and I even recently attended a three-dog night concert in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> the only surprise to us was the age of the performers. We enjoyed it, though, because they performed excellent quality music. My favorite song, though, is a song that really doesn't need notes or rhythm. It is a song that is best presented by the lives that we live, by the words that we say, by the actions that we take. 
And once we have experienced it, and as we continue to experience the song, then we cannot help but tell others about the song. I'm talking about God's song. Singing God's song in new places with new faces. My favorite part to the song is the message. I spent some time thinking about one word, one adjective that would describe the essence of the song. Being that I'm a preacher, I could not do it in one word. (laughs) But one word really did rise to the top. And that's new. That's it. That's what God's song is. God's song is about newness. God is about the work of making new the world in which we live, the communities of which we are a part, the churches we serve. God is making us new. Yes, that's the word we hear in today's scripture passage. Actually, the prophet, many biblical scholars call second Isaiah, is talking to the community. And he's talking about how God is about to do something new in the community. Here's some context about that passage. Israel is going through a difficult time. In fact, the ten northern tribes have already gone their way. The two southern tribes known as Judah still exist. However, they have so many times turned their backs on God. And the Babylonians have sent them into exile, have taken them into exile. There are some who are left behind, and those are dominated by the Babylonians. So that's the context, and it is into that situation that the prophet says these words. And you'll see them on the screen. I invite you to read them with me out loud. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I don't know about you, but I need for God to do a new thing in me. I first realized that decades ago. I did not understand the depth and the breadth of God's love at that time. The truth is, I still don't understand it fully. I did know enough, though, to recognize that I needed forgiveness for the sin in my life. So I made my way down the aisle of the Pritchard Memorial Methodist Church, and I knelt there, and I asked God to forgive me. And God did more than that. God forgave me, but God also started something new in me. I still pray that prayer on a regular basis. You see, God started something new in me, but God has not finished yet. I still need God to forgive me for actions, for attitudes, for things that I say. And God is doing that. I'm different than I was. 
when I first knelt at the altar long ago, and I'll be different several years from now than I am now because this new thing that God is doing in me, this new thing that God does in you is a process that takes a lifetime to fully experience. Where do you need for God to do something new in you? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's an attitude that you have. Maybe it's in a church. Maybe it's in your family. Or perhaps there's a deep wound in your heart that you need God to heal. Or a resentment that you need to release to God. God is about the work of doing a new thing in us, in our communities, in our churches, in the world in which we live. Have any of you heard of Michael Jr.? Okay, he's a comedian. He's really funny, isn't he? And he has what he calls break time. Sometimes in the middle of one of his comedy routines, he will stop right in the middle and he'll begin to interact with people in the audience. And it's typically spontaneous. One of my favorite episodes of break time shows him interacting with a music teacher at a military academy by the name of Daryl Duff. And he, upon realizing that Daryl Duff is a musician, asked him to sing a few bars of Amazing Grace. And then he asked him to do it a second time, this time remembering what God has done in him. Michael Jr. doesn't use these words, but if I was in this conversation with Daryl Duff, I would say, remember how God is making you new. And the difference is amazing. Because when we remember that God is making us new, then what we want to do is to sing God's song in new places, with new faces, and we do it with gusto. Watch. Yeah, what's your name, bro? Daryl. I'm going to need you to slow down with that, bro. <laughs> For real, you're scaring the white people. You can't do that, Daryl. I'm sorry, bro. You're scaring me too, though. <laughs> wow. Well, what do you do for a living, Daryl? I work at Oak Ridge Military Academy. I'm the music director there. Musical director at Oak Ridge Musical Academy. Okay. Yeah. But you got a deep voice, man. I, I would not want to get you mad. Jonathan, come here. He's like, oh, snap. Nine Jonathans show up. <laughs> amazing, dude. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so... um. Let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? I mean, we didn't plan this. Just so y'all know, we didn't we didn't plan this at all. I'm just randomly talking. To, go ahead. Amazing grace, 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the that saved a wretch like me. Oh, 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 Daryl Duff knows God's song. And did you notice how different it sounded when he remembered what God is doing in him? So what? What is God's amazing and renewing grace in our lives? It's that God is doing something new. And why? Why do we sing God's song? We sing God's song because God is doing something new in us, in you, and in me. And there are two more questions that I will address related to singing God's song. And that is, where do we sing it? And with whom do we sing it? And the answer to both of those questions is found in the second Scripture passage, as you heard Cameron read today, it was the last conversation that Jesus had on this earth with his disciples, according to the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus had suffered. He had been crucified. He had been buried in the tomb. And he had been resurrected from the dead. He'd had some other conversations with different disciples. This was the final one right before he returned to heaven. So it was the last one he had while he was still on this earth. Now, last words are important, aren't they? And when we know that we're hearing last words, then we really remember them. I love the statement that is on the tombstone of a hypochondriac. I told you I was sick. <laughs> Jesus' last words, they are powerful. They are life-giving. They are shaping. In fact, they set 
the mission for the church before us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them what I've taught you, and lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. So where are we to go? We're to go to all nations. And with whom are we to sing God's song? We're to sing God's song with everyone, with whomever we meet. We're to share the good news, not just in the doors of our churches, but wherever we find ourselves. I invite you to join me in a prayer that I have started praying over the past several years. I pray often that God will make me attuned to opportunities to sing God's song with other people. And I have found that those opportunities sometimes avail themselves in unexpected moments, in unexpected places, in new places with new faces. Sometimes it might be the hairstylist who I've gotten to know quite well or a Walmart cashier or someone I'm talking with who's sitting beside me on an airplane or someone I have a chance encounter with. This was really driven home to me on a flight from... Texas to Birmingham, one Friday, one cold January evening. I got on the airplane, and often when I fly, I like to pull out my trusty laptop or my Kindle and do some work. So usually I'll have some basic greetings with the person next to me, and then I go to work. It was different this evening, though. The young woman who sat down beside me looked at me, and I said, Hello, I'm Debbie. Well, I'm, and she told me her name. I'm going to call her Marie. I'm Marie. It's so good to meet you, Marie. Do you live in Birmingham? No. I'm flying there for an interview. Well, I hope you like Birmingham, and we talked a little bit, and then I pulled out my business card, and I handed it to her, and I said, if you end up settling in Birmingham and you want to talk to someone about doctors, grocery stores, places to live, church, feel free to call me. I slipped church in there. <laughs> and she looked at my business card, and she said, oh, you're a United Methodist. I've been attending a United Methodist Church in the state where I live. One thing led to another, and I discovered that Maria came from a different faith tradition than Christianity. In fact, she had rejected her faith. She had rejected her understanding of God. She had been drawn, though, uh, to this United Methodist Church, 
And she often would enter as the service was beginning and leave early. And she told me how much she appreciated what she was hearing about faith and about Jesus and about love. And then she said, but I don't really get this Jesus thing. And I encouraged her to read one of the Gospels. I told her often people encounter Christ when reading the Gospels. And we talked some more. And then as the plane was getting ready to land, I said to her, Maria, I often pray for people. Would you be okay if I pray for you during my daily prayer time? She said, sure. Well, what would you like me to pray for you? Pray that God won't give up on me. And I said, I'll pray that because you've asked me to, but God's already answered that prayer because God does not give up on any of us. And then I said, when you encounter Christ, will you let me know? And I will never forget her words. She said, of course I will. I feel obligated to do so because I've never talked with anybody about Jesus before. That conversation changed my life. In fact, now when I get on a plane, I make faith conversations a priority. And often the person next to me isn't interested in a conversation, and that's fine. Then I get to work on my computer. (laughs) But I pray that God will make my heart attuned for those times when a Maria is sitting next to me. I told you in the very beginning of this message that I really love music. And I love all kinds of music, but my favorite music is the song that I call God's song. And it's a song that majors in new. And here's why I love it so much. Because God is doing something new in me. Even though I'm into many decades as a Christ follower, God is continuing to do something new in me. In fact, that newness is what causes me to want to tell others. It causes me to want to sing God's song, not just in familiar places with familiar faces, but in new places with new faces. God is doing something new in you and in me, in our church, in our communities, and in our world. And friends, that is a reason to sing. Let's pray together.
God, we know that you're doing something new in us, even when we don't recognize it. And we pray that you will help us to be aware to what you're doing in and through and around us and others. And we pray that you will also use us to sing your song in new places with new faces. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.